Well, again, good morning, everybody. I'm, again, I'm Jeff. <clears throat> Super stoked to be preaching again. I'm going to actually come down into the audience in just a few minutes and walk around. We'll do a little Bible study just because I feel like this is the third time I've spoken in a row because everybody else travel schedules and babies and all those things. But I'm figuring you're, if you're as sick of me as I am of me, then, I, you know, we need a little break. So I'm going to come down and we'll do a little Bible study um, so you can grab a Bible uh, if you want and be ready. We're going to be in, a, in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the series we're doing. It's on page 1213, I think somebody said last hour, 1213. We'll be there in a minute. Hey, did you know it's lottery fever again? Like, have you been watching the news on this lottery thing? Like the mega millions, ready? The mega millions deal, like, so don't judge me, okay, right now. <laughs> the mega millions thing is $1.55 billion dollars. Is that crazy talk? $1.55 billion. Now, like I'm not, so I, like I'm not a lottery people. I know there's lottery people and there's not lottery people and I won't judge you, but don't judge me. Like I've never bought a lottery ticket except like as a joke, like to a, like a, like a wedding, like a, like newlyweds, like here's a lottery ticket. Good luck. I could get you a fork or this could change everything, you know? But 1.55. Now, there is no way that any of us are totally immune to going there in our heads. Am I right? Like, don't you go there in your head? You're like, no, yeah, a couple of people are like, no, I'm so spiritual, Jeff, and why do you get to preach? Yeah. <laughs> we go there a little bit in our heads, but here's why I actually go there. I go there in my head because I actually think it touches a very deep spiritual hunger for us. I actually think where it goes to for us when we think about that is it touches the fact that we know that we were made for life at its fullest. Now we attach money to it, which is all kind of messed up. Am I right? But we are actually longing for the richness of the kingdom of God in our lives, the richness of Jesus's love, the richness of a life of freedom and healing and spiritual fullness like that. Jesus said, I came to give you life at its fullest. And so somehow we just go there in our heads because Tahiti is involved. And we're like, that is kind of part of it. So this lottery fever thing is a longing in us for the depth and the richness of what's really most true. And that is an okay longing because that's what we want. And it won't be satisfied by $1.55 billion. I know that. You'll just have $1.55 billion and still be a jerk. I know that's just how it works. But this taps into something I want to talk about. This is, this, and here's a little spoiler alert. Like this is where I'm landing today. We're in Hebrews and we're talking about heroes of faith and we've come to the place of Moses. Here's the summary of what it's saying about Moses and his faith. It's this, that Moses and his people, they put their hope in the riches of God's way and of God's future. Moses and his people have put their hope in the richness, the riches of God's way and God's future and God's rewards, as we'll find out. So that's where we're going. And Moses is the person profiled in the Hebrews 11 uh, uh, text. Here's a little context. We've been studying through all these characters. We talked about Joseph last week and how he knew this world was not his home. We talked about Jacob the week before that and that he ended his life as one who worshiped God. That was what was most important to him. And then we talked before that, we talked about Isaac, we talked about Abraham and all these incredible stories of these heroes of faith because they put their belief in God in action. So Joseph, now this is where we are con contextually. Remember, Joseph got sold into slavery in Egypt 
and then was able to bring his family down there and was able to feed them, and the people of God survived rather than dying out in a terrible famine that was happening across the whole Middle East, and that's the whole story. And now we're like 300 years later, 279 years later, something like that, and Joseph is long gone. The king who knew Joseph and who had exalted him and gave him power and authority in Egypt is gone and the people of Israel being cruelly treated, and Moses is born into this context. So that's where we're at. Now, I want to look at some of the things, and we're in Hebrews uh, 11, that the the writer of Hebrews actually has five things to say about Moses' faith. And I only have time to really camp on one of them, but I want to highlight the other ones and want us to look at them real quickly and kind of like see what do we learn about faith. Because remember, this is all, these are all by faith, Jacob did this. By faith, Joseph did this. By faith, Moses. And then he says it five times about Moses and his people. By faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. The people of God. By faith, Moses' parents. By faith, by faith, by faith. Now, remember what we're talking about, about faith. Here's the definition of faith that we've been using. It's acting on what we know to be true about God, even if we haven't seen it true in a particular situation yet. This is the definition of faith that we've been using. It's knowing we're acting, living like what we know about God is true, that he's good and he's powerful and that he's for us and that he has a plan and that that plan brings the richness and the reward that our souls are looking for. So acting on what we know to be true about God, even if we've not yet seen it true in a particular situation, we may not have seen God come through in this thing I'm facing, but we have the story of seeing God come through in that thing and in that thing and in that thing and in that thing. And so we're then able to act on what we know about God. And that, that'll just preach every week. Isn't that just enough right there? And so we want to know God more. That's what we want to do. We want to know him more so that we're more and more confident in who he is and what he wants to do. All right, so where are we? Oh, so let's look at Hebrews, chapter, and we'll just glance through a couple of the by faiths, and, uh, and then I want to land on one that talks about Moses and his people wanting, choosing the riches of God's way and of God's future versus any other kind of riches. With me? Ready to go? All right, now I'm going to ask you guys to do a little interaction. So I'm going to ask you, I, like I warmed up the crowd earlier, you were all talking. I want, I want you to, to, to participate with me. I'm going to ask a few questions about this. Let's look at these with the eyes of faith. So first of all, verse 23, uh, Hebrews 11, 23. So by faith, it says, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You're like, wait, what is the context here? And what does this even mean? It's kind of a funny verse, right? Moses' parents hid him because they saw he was no ordinary child. Like if he was an ordinary child, they would just let let him be out there. But but the, the... the, the king's edict that it's talking about, if you go back and look at it in Exodus chapter one, the king was like, the Pharaoh at that point was like, uh, these Israelites are growing, becoming strong. They're gonna take up an army. They're gonna fight against us. They're gonna not be our slaves anymore. They're gonna leave our country. Let's take every male child and throw him in the Nile. And that was a way of controlling the population and of controlling the people. And so this was his edict. So Moses' parents, the scripture says, by faith hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. I think that's just so funny. All right, what do you, what do you see that tells you about faith in this? What, what, do we, what do you learn in, a, I mean, from what we know about faith, where do you see faith here? And we'll just, a couple of you pop off with me. I wanna hear some conversation. And because our online community is watching, they won't be able to hear you. Keep your, your words kind of brief and then I'll repeat them. Yeah, Debbie. They were not afraid. It says right there, they were not 
afraid because by faith, they're trusting God's got his way. Yeah, thank you. Arf. It was not that they did nothing. It's not that they did nothing. Yeah. So they went ahead and acted in their faith. In fact, we're calling this Faith in Action Hall of Famers. That's our whole point, is that it's acting like these things are true. Good. Thank you. Yeah, any, any last thoughts you see just about the parents? Yeah, Gigi. It's important to have parents who have <laughs> The parents had faith in this. It wasn't even about Moses. By faith, his parents. His parents were acting like God had a story that was unfolding. It's been 300 years, but they knew the stories that God had given them a land and through that people would come a blessing to the entire world. That's Abraham that we talked about from generations before. And the parents were like, uh, the king wants to kill off our people again, but God's got a plan. And somehow it's funny that they knew he was extraordinary. The word extraordinary in the Hebrew, well, both in the Hebrew in, in where it says that in Exodus uh, chapter two, but also right here in the Greek, in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, it just means good looking. Because these parents saw that he was good looking, they knew God had a special plan for him. My mom's over here in the front row. She had the most beautiful baby ever. Okay, so there's a faith piece there. Why? Because they knew that God was involved in the story of the people of Israel, and so they acted, even if it was illegal. Ready? Right? They acted in concert with God's plan without fear. Okay, let's look at the one more. Oh, well, we'll just read this one because I'm gonna come back to it. Let's read verse 24 through 26, the next set of verses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, we're gonna come back and study this, but I just wanna give you some context. When he had grown up, okay, so now we're at his grown up time. Remember, he grew up in Pharaoh's household. Because what we're not reading here is the whole story of Exodus 1, 2, 3, and following, where what happened was the parents hid him for three months in faith, as we just talked about. And then when they couldn't hide him any longer, they put him in the basket and they put him on the Nile and let him float down. Pharaoh's daughter was walking along the river by God's sovereign plan, right? And saw the baby, said, this is a Hebrew child. Go get a Hebrew uh, to nurse this child. And so they, Moses' sister was watching what happened and said, I'll go get... Uh, I'll go get someone to nurse him and went and got his, Moses' mom. And then he got raised by Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's household. And then that's how God ended up putting Moses in a place to, uh, to be involved in all of this story. So, but then, but so, okay, but then it goes, but when he had grown up, he refused then to be known as Pharaoh's daughter, as the son, sorry, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. We're going to come back to this. He and his people considered the riches of God's way and God's future beyond anything the world offered. Let's come back to that. Look at the next verse because we just want to see all the by faiths. Verse 27, right? By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He, he, by faith, acting out of faith, belief in God, what he knew about God, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. Now, he left Egypt twice. We don't know which one the author of Hebrews is talking about. He left Hebrew, he, of course, he left Egypt with all the people in the Exodus, crossing the Red Sea, 
That comes up in verse 29, I think. But he also left after he killed a guy. Do you remember this story? You gotta go read this in Exodus. So he's walking along. He sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew person. And he, at that moment, has an opportunity to decide, who am I going to be? And he chooses to identify with the people of God, which we see in those verses we just read a minute ago, rather than as an Egyptian. And rather than being on the Egyptian side, he ends up defending the Jewish person and kills the Hebrew and buries him in the sand. Old Testament's so brutal, is it not? And at that point, he had to leave because he had identified himself not as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but as someone who was with the Israelites. What else do you see about faith just from this verse? What observations do you see about faith? Bible study, it's hard. Gigi, then I'll come over to you. He persevered. He persevered. Why did he persevere? What does the text say? How did he persevere? What was the, what was the behind his perseverance? What energized his perseverance? He was looking ahead to his reward. And what does it say specifically right, right here? He was not afraid because he saw him who is invisible. Wait a minute. This will preach all day that he, Moses was able to persevere in this, for this reward, not afraid, all of those things because he walked with God. I mean, Exodus chapter three, he's out there shepherding sheep. He ends up seeing a burning bush and God talks to him. By the time you get to Exodus chapter 33, it says, and Moses was one who talked with God face to face as one would talk to a friend. And that becomes a prototype for every one of us. So by faith, he's like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, even if someone, that my enemies come at me, I I am going to be true to the richness of God's plan and God's future because I know God, I've walked with him. That's the only reason why somebody can have that kind of radical faith. Isn't that good? That's what we get to do through the spirit of God, through what Jesus did for us. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Okay, that will preach. All right, um, but this isn't, that's not my sermon. Verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood or the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Give you some context. And then what do you see that about faith here? The context, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the story, and I say it all the time, you guys, I didn't grow up in the church. I don't know these stories. Like I learned these stories later in life. They're so amazing. So if you don't know the context of this, that's okay. Why would you go and read this stuff? It's so amazing. But what this is about is remember the plagues. You've heard of the plagues. So God is telling the Egyptians, let my people go. They're saying no. And so he brings these plagues to convince them. One of the plagues is the plague of the firstborn, where finally, and it's the end. And God's like, look, Moses, tell Pharaoh, the firstborn in every household is going to die if he does not let you go. This is God's plan, and this is God's way, and I will bring judgment if you're not going to do my plan in my way. And so it's a brutal story. But 
What then happens over the thing is that he goes, and here, Moses, this is what I'm going to want you to do. I want you to set up a Passover meal and sacrifice and a sprinkling of blood. And I want you to commemorate it and send it down to the generation so the Jews will remember this forever, that this is what God did because he rescued them to take a people of, of himself and preserve them. And so he goes, so set this up, institute it. When it says he kept it, the better definition is he instituted or he established it. He established the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. And so what they did is they sacrificially slaughtered a lamb, a certain kind of lamb in a certain way. And they had a certain kind of meal. It had all kinds of symbolism in it. It's not my sermon. You got to go read it. You got to go look at it. It's amazing. And then with the blood of the lamb that they sacrificed, they sprinkled the blood on the doorpost so that when God then went to fulfill his judgment against Israel, uh, Egypt, that when he saw blood on the doorpost, he would pass over because they were protected by the blood. Does that not sound like a Jesus sermon to you? And this is the story that Jesus came into that Israel had been telling all these generations. So what do you see by, and what's, what do we learn about faith in this thing right here? When you look at that sentence, by faith they did this, Lance. It's progressive. Starts with his, starts with his parents' faith. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a progressive thing, which we I'll tell you if if I don't remember, I'll tell you about the secret sauce of growing in faith by the end of our sermon today. But it is definitely progressive. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you learn about the about faith when you look at this thing right here. Yeah, Paulina. All living like God's promises were real. Living like God's promises were real. And what promise are you referring to there? Okay, the promise of eternity with him. Yep, and that is definitely the symbol of the whole thing. They had to have, think about this, and I'll just leave you with this on this point. Moses had to have faith because they had no, he had no way of knowing what was going down. They'd never seen this before. They had no experience with this. And so God's like, listen, I know you experienced the darkness of the plague, the gnats with the plague, the frogs of the plague. Like you guys experienced all that, but you're not going to experience the death of the firstborn. Ultimately, God's like, because my firstborn will die for you, by the way, that's New Testament story. But he's like, but I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have this meal and I want you to take this blood and I want you to sprinkle it this way and I want you to trust me that I will protect you. And Moses is like, sure, that makes all kinds of sense. No, he, so there's a faith piece there. That he's like, okay, then let's do it this way. Believing that God will be faithful to his promises, which ultimately are the promises of his blood saves us. His blood covers us. Good. Last one was the people. There's a corporate one in there, right? The people of God ended up passing through the Red Sea. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if on dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Remember this? So then by the end, the Pharaoh's like, okay, go. Like, then go. God's judgment is too great. We don't want you people in our land. Take off. And then he changed his mind and he pursued them. And when they went to go, they, went, they came up to the Red Sea and they began to pass through the Red Sea. And God kept them safe. It's a corporate example, which is really interesting. By faith, the people had this corporate faith. We, we do know when they got into the promised land that a lot of them didn't have very strong faith. They were like, just look ahead from the Exodus like in, that's in Exodus 14, look ahead to like Exodus by 15 or 16, they're whining. 
even though they saw this incredible miracle. So we know they didn't have a lot of faith, but there's something about the corporate thing together that strengthened them. And they, it's almost like Moses' faith was carrying them too. Because they had to, Moses was like, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see the water parting and then go across. We'll be safe. And they're like, yeah, no, that doesn't sound smart at all. <laughs> what else do you see about faith in this story that they ended up passing? This is such a huge story in the life of Israel. And it's like it's one sentence in Hebrews 11. But what do you learn about faith when you see this story? Let me see this verse. Yeah, Christy. Um, it seems like the more faith they had and the more results they saw from the faith they had, the more faith they kept going and other people... Did you guys hear that? The more faith they had, the more results they saw from that faith, the more they kept going, the more they could step out. That's right. That's a progressive thing. It's what Lance was saying. That's, that's the secret sauce of faith, that it grows as we take God at his word and we see his way, his riches, his reward. You know, I don't mean $1.55 billion when I say riches. Again, you'll just be a rich jerk. That's not going to help you. So yeah, Lily. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Let me repeat that for everybody. It's faith in the time of desperation. Have you not noticed that when you have water on one side and you have an army on the other side, we come to a crossroads in our place and we're like, okay, am I going to trust God for his word or what? Some people said, wow, they were just super courageous. Now, actually, I don't think they were courageous. I think they had faith in who God was in that moment. In fact, it took courage to go into the water for sure. But they actually had faith in addition to their courage. The Egyptians had the courage to go in after them. So they had courage. But that was not faith in the God who said he would fulfill his promises to them. All right. So look, at we're learning a ton about faith. But go back. And I just want to point out some stuff from, I think, is just the richest part. And it's the centerpiece of this um, passage in, in uh, um, verses 24 through 26 again. So go look at this text again. By faith, Moses when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. Look at, let, me, let me read that again, verse 26. He regarded disgrace or aligning with the things of God for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What do you see here in this text that teaches you about faith? What are some components, some truth about faith? Yeah. He chose the harder path. He, he chose the harder path by faith. Let's just let that sit for a second, people. This is what takes us out of the faith game. Is that we look ahead and we're like, man, I want God's way. I want God's plan. I want God's future. I want God's riches. But in the short term, I really want the easiest way. Yikes. Just saying it out loud hurts my soul because it's so true. But strengthening our faith goes, yeah, but let me just put that off for the greater things of God that can come if I go his way. Right? Amen? Ah, so good. What else do you see? Yeah. It says, for the sake of Christ, there was, Jesus had not been 
in the story yet. So the Hebrews writer is putting that in and saying, yep, this was the story of Jesus beginning to be unfolded. They didn't name Jesus back then, but they wanted God's way, God's plan, God's future, God's riches. And the writer of Hebrews is going, and as we know, that has come to its fulfillment in what Jesus did on the cross. Isn't that great that this for the sake of Christ is in there? And the words for the sake of Christ, because he's like, you know, Hebrews, you know Jesus, so you're a little bit different than Moses. But you, you, you guys, you know Jesus, and you know for the sake of Christ. Isn't that a good word? For the sake of Christ. I hate that it's a swear word because I actually like the phrase for Christ's sake. Like I'm about him and his plan and his riches and his way. That's what I was made for, for Christ's sake. Yeah, Lara, you were going to say something. I was going to say about how this is not our home. He wasn't looking to the treasure. I mean, he could have lived high and mighty in Egypt, but he's looking ahead to his heavenly home. Oh, it's so good. This is not our home. I'm, I'm interrupting you just to give so everybody can hear. Yeah, it. It, it was, this is not his home. He was looking ahead to the future. He was looking ahead to God's plan and God's riches and God's reward, which was going to come. Again, the present versus what God has for us. And he just said, and that's Joseph, thank you for bringing that up. That was our takeaway from Joseph last week. This is not his home. And so it created all kinds of perseverance and focus. I want to give you a couple of mine before I quit. This, when I look at this text, I see that, you know, the first thing I see is that it says, by faith, when Moses had grown up, when he had grown up, I don't, know I, I don't think I said this to you when we bypassed it in the first, you know, first passing, when he had grown up, don't miss the words in the text. Why did the Hebrew writer put that in there? Because he's like, look at, he was fully aware of what he was doing. He knew the cost. He knew it was foolish by world standards. He knew when he looked at, I can live as the son of Pharaoh's daughter in this, the king's household, or I can walk with this persecuted people who are barely surviving God's plan. And for 300 years, we knew the plan, but we haven't seen any movement of being back in the promised land, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, I'm gonna choose God's way. There's something in there for me to go, hey, Jeff, grow up. Grow up and regard what's true here. And stop acting out of what's expedient in the moment. Stop acting out of fear. Stop acting out of danger. All this stuff in this story. You're fully aware now. You've seen God at work. You want God's way and God's plan and God's future and the richness of that. Or do you want to be the rich kid in Pharaoh's house? Man, that is so, so powerful to me. And the rest of it is there. I mean, that, that's, the same, that's the same message that's through the rest of the text there. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. He identified himself with God's people, not with the people of the world, if you will. This is his unique identity to be God's person, one of God's people. And then verse 26, and he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. He regarded it and he knew it was of greater value. He reflected on it and he knew it was of greater value. He counted the cost and he knew that it was where the richness was found to be right in the middle of God's way and God's plan and God's future and God's reward. You guys, he thought it through. This is what faith does. Faith says, remember our definition of faith? Acting on what we know to be true about God 
that it's where the richness is found, even though we haven't seen it fulfilled yet in this particular situation. But I've regarded it of greater value. This is the call on all of our lives. And as we were just talking about, and the secret sauce becomes that once we step out in faith and see God's way, God's future, and God's reward, we see its riches, and we step out further, and we step out further, and we step out further. All of this, you guys, reminds me of the one verse, uh, the one, uh, verse parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 13. I've got it on the screen. Two sentences. It's one parable. Jesus said this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold everything he had, and he bought the field. Isn't that a cool story? The kingdom of heaven is rich. And when we stumble on it and start digging it up and recognize the value of it, then we'll do whatever it takes to possess that field. That's our faith journeys. This is what Moses did. Like they considered the richness of God's way and God's future beyond anything the world offered and they would not get confused by that. And so I look at this, I go, you know what? This is where we go, you guys, with this. Jesus and his kingdom is the treasure for us. That's the thing of greatest value. Jesus and his kingdom is the treasure. And when you look at this little story, all it's saying is, and it's the thing of greatest value, regard it well, think about it well, reflect on this well, it's the thing of greatest value. You think about the guy who stumbled across a field, tell the, the Jesus, think about this details that Jesus told of this story. He's like a guy's walking across another person's property, stumbles on buried treasure, starts to dig it up and recognizes its value and goes, oh, this is it. This changes everything. Jesus said, that's the kingdom of God. When you're walking through our life on this earth, in this world that's not controlled by fully by God yet, well, it is, but the enemy has his way, and we'd stumble on the kingdom of God, and we start to dig it up, we go, oh, this changes everything. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to possess this field. And this guy, Jesus told a story where the guy ended up acting, like this is immorality, like this is unethical. The guy's like, let me bury it. So the owner of the field doesn't know what he has, and then I'm gonna go and buy it. It's the thing of greatest value was Jesus's point. Everybody's like, did he just say that we should lie to somebody? And like, you know, like Jesus is making a point here. It's of such value. Moses regarded the riches of God as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. It's the thing of greatest value and it costs us everything, the text says. It costs us everything. That, that, that's the story. The guy's like, okay, so what do I gotta do to possess the field? Okay, you know what? I'm gonna sell my, I'm gonna cash out my 401k. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into the bank and I'm gonna take out every penny I have savings. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna sell all my, the rest of my crop right now, like I got to get some money to buy the field. And then he would go to buy the field and the, the price of the field though literally required that he sell everything. And he's like, okay, well I'm going to sell all the furniture in this room because I'm an empty nester, my kids are gone. I can sell that furniture, have an empty room, at least I'm going to buy it. No, and that room 
and that. Like, do you see the point Jesus is telling? It lit, the cost of the field was literally the exact cost of every single thing that he owned. Because it was an all or nothing proposition, church. What does it say about Moses in our text? That he did not consider himself the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but considered himself one of the people of God. And when he killed that guy, in defense of God's people, he was like, okay, I'm all in with Israel. Like, this is my thing. God's plan, God's future, God's rewards. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. He goes, it literally took every single dollar the guy could muster to buy the field because then he was all about it. I don't, don't hear me say, be a fanatic, be a weirdo, don't have anything to do like with the world. Sell your car and start walking and, you know, and quit your job and just share about Jesus on the side of the road. Well, if Jesus told you to do that, you should do that. But that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to consider as your identity, as Moses did, that he regarded the richness of being God's person as more valuable than the treasure, all the treasures of Egypt. That's an all or nothing proposition. Who are you? Who are we as God's people? Well, the good news is too, by the way, that it's gonna be totally worth it. It will cost us everything. But the good news, this is why it's good news is that it's totally worth it because this is the joy that our hearts were looking for. This is the freedom that our hearts were looking for. This is the healing that our hearts are looking for. This is the purpose that our hearts are looking for. This is the point of life is that we are God's people doing God's way, God's plan, God's future, and therefore receiving the richness of God's rewards. It's worth it. <laughs> the text in Jesus' parable, it's for a kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a man who found hidden treasure, right? Treasure, found treasure hidden in a field, and when he found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had. He, can you just see him? He's just not, the more he dug up the treasure, the more he's like, oh, oh, I gotta sell everything? Yep. This is what I want. Hey, band, come out. We wanna worship together here as we end, but listen, church, that's the good news. The good news is I'm not telling you, look at weird Live some sort of a weird monastic life where if you're unhappy, then you're probably pleasing God. If you're the weirdest person in your neighborhood, then you're probably pleasing God. If you have no, you know, like, 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 like that's not what the, the point here is that all of this life was given to us to live in the context of being God's person wanting God's way, God's future. And in that becomes the, the richness of God's rewards. And so are we in? Are we all in? That's what a life of faith looks like to go, yeah, you know what? I've considered and I've regarded. I want his way. And it's going to be worth it. So hear this. Like Moses, we're called to be all in or all out. We're, gonna, we're called to put all of our proverbial eggs in the kingdom of God and the people of God and the way of God and the future of God, we're called to put our eggs in that basket. And then we find what Jesus promised is that we will have life at its fullest. So here's the challenge. Here's the end. Here's the secret sauce. 
You don't follow Moses out into the Red Sea willy-nilly. You don't decide to forego the riches of the moment for the promise of an unseen future with a God. You don't give up the fleeting pleasures of sin, as the text said, just because. You do it because you've seen God been at work in your story and in your parents' story, maybe, and in the people of God, and you grow in your faith. And as we've said a number of ways, a number of you mentioned in Bible study, when you lean in to the walking with God, to watching him be at work, to recognize his work in your life, it strengthens you to be that person the next time and the next time and the next time. And so as a church, we keep getting together going, let's encourage each other. Let's do it. Let's lean in further. Let's be worshipers. Let's be in his word. Let's be like, let's be serving him. Like, let's do the things that put us in the place to see God being at work so that we might experience the richness and so that we might know it's so worth it. I want that and that alone for my life. Well, let's rehearse it and practice it today, church. Let's stand and worship together.